Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good. It is good to see church family and be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I'm so excited about that. It's just, it's so good. So good to see all your faces. Before I begin, I just want to say that, and for those of you know me, and as you get to know me or grow to know me, it, it, when it comes to revolution, I've spoken here twice, this being the second time. And usually I pray and then the Lord gives me something as we work through it. Well, every time I get up here and speak, which again, it's only been twice, it feels like the Lord has already preloaded something for me to share with you. And so I remember, and for those of you listening online, please go back, or anybody you hear, please go back online. Uh, Rachel, our pastor, did a series called Rooted. I don't know if you remember that series at all. Hope you were paying attention. And in that series, I came in at part four. So I missed the first three of what she was talking about. So I had to go back and listen. And as I went back, you know, and listened to that and then showed up at part four, the Lord hit me with this of like, hey, this would be great if you talked to Revolution about this. And I was like, Lord, this would be awesome if I can get the opportunity to do that. And what do you know? Rachel asked me to speak uh, while she is taking care of things and resting and refueling and refocusing. And I'm like, Oh, I think the Lord has definitely got something for all of us to hear. So I'm really excited about that. And we're going to really deep dive into it. So if you got your thinking hats, put them on. If you want to take notes, please get pens, paper, iPad, tablets, um, your phone out. And we're going to dive right into it. I know it's, it's intense already because I'm ready to get into it. Amen? Amen? Everybody ready? Before we begin, let's pray. I'm a praying man. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, for just who you are, how you've been so loving and patient and kind to your people, how your mercy endures forever. Oh, God, I know many of us have come in with many things in our hearts. And I say I know this, Lord, because we're all human and we struggle with something or wrestle with something and and, oh, God, I ask you to give us all peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that you told your disciples that the world can't give, but only you can give. And so, God, help us to settle in in this moment and lean into what you have to say through your word. Holy Spirit, help us to be aware of your presence that is inhabiting the praises of your people. God, we ask that you would pierce our hearts. Help us to be challenged, convicted, rebuked, motivated, encouraged, and inspired to reach not only this generation, but this very church. God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. As so a Holy Spirit in this moment, help everyone to see you and not me. Help everyone to hear you and not me. We thank you, O oh God. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Ready, church? Okay. Okay. Here's a question that I'm going to ask you. It is rhetorical, so don't say anything back to me. <laughs> yeah, I know, because I'm about to get in. Here it is. Why do you come to church? It's a very important question. I will be talking about, yes, the body and the building at the same time. Your job right now is to discern which is speaking to you. Why do you come to church is the question I just asked you. Is it because you are out in the congregation saying, man, this music and worship is amazing. Do you come to church just because of the worship? 
And in context, in, this, in our generation, we just consider worship being this music, but it's more than that. Are you coming to church because of the preaching and the teaching? Are you coming to church just because of small groups and discipleship? Do you come to church because of prayer time, need for community, the latest gossip of the week that you want to kind of find out what's happening? Are you coming for a relationship, um, uh, help, if you will, or looking for somebody? Are you coming to church to check the boxes, to make sure that you got your weekly check when it comes to coming to church? What about the free childcare? That's very important. Um, maybe you need time to get out of the house, get away from your spouse, your significant other. But why do you come to church is the question. Because this was the very thing that I was sitting over here in the second, third row during week four of the series Rooted that Rachel was leading us in. And the Lord was like, talk to them about why do they come to church? I mean, that is, that is a good question. I mean, I hear more often, more often, pastors, religious people, you know, or people of faith, if you will, they quote the church by saying it is important that we come because of community. That you hear all the time and that we're trained that we come to church because we need community. I believe having community is true, yet you can get community anywhere on planet Earth. You can. So, can you be a Christian and not be a part of a local church? Culturally, yes. But actually, no. We, as a body of believers, should be the epicenter of change when it comes to culture and our world. Jesus embodied what it looks like to love, serve, heal, forgive, and practice these things. Read the Beatitudes. Read Matthew 5 through 7. You see where Jesus is pushing the bars, upping the standard, pushing everything for us to be living and embodying what it is like to be a Jesus follower, a Christian. And so culturally, yeah, you can, you can find community anywhere. Actually, no, we are supposed to be the epicenter of change. So why do you come to church? It's still a great question. I mean, these ecclesias, right, in the Greek means gathering or assemblies that we have. Is it because we connect believers? Is it because we want to engage new believers? Is it because we want to invite non-believers? I'm going to read this passage for you and get to the point of what I'm saying. And it's not on the screen, but I want you to hear it. This is out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And this is, if you don't know, Acts of the Apostles is a letter that a Greek physician, Luke, documented. And this letter um, gives up 30 years of church history. And so he writes here where he says, all believers, this is after Pentecost, all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings the fellowship, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and prayer. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. This passage connects that there is sound doctrine being taught in church, that there's meals provided, a space for fellowship with believers, observing the Lord's Supper, the importance of communion, and prayer connecting to unity. This is what I'm saying, if this is not resonating. And I want to drive this point home very clearly. 
Right now, I'm saying the importance of the church is to equip the saints to go out and do the work of God. You coming in is edifying you, meaning helping you morally and intellectually to leave here and invest in your friend groups, in your church already, but also in anybody you encounter on a regular basis. Your job when you come in, one of the few things, is to come in and learn and grow and commune and equip so that you can go out and do the work of the body, not of the building, but of the body. And that is important. You know, and as I was writing this and, and asking the Lord, I wanted to, like, give you all these, like, tidbits and ideas and thoughts. And God was like, no, just point them to what I was saying when I was talking to the church of Ephesus. And I said, okay, Lord. And so I'm going to walk us through this and really give you the meat of why it is important for you to come in, get equipped, empowered, and energized to go out and reach the people outside these walls. And the beautiful thing, and it still hurts, is that, yes, we don't have a building. I'm going to be very kind when I say this, but that doesn't matter. Because your job is to go serve, love, and reach a nation and a generation that is confused. And you heard me say this last time. This may be a part two to what I said, but it's important to reach the next generation, and it's important to reach each other and people you come in contact with. But when you come to church just to go through the motions, when you come to church just to listen and then don't intake what you and or intake and process what you've heard, it's wasteful. It was wasteful. You need to be doing something with your life. You need to be doing something that is encouraging, that is motivating. Yes, you can inspire people all the time, but that inspiration needs to lead to change, a transformative heart that is yielded to Christ. But you need to have that. But the only way, I would argue, and we could talk about this later, anybody online, is when you come to church and you gather as a body of believers and are empowered, equipped, and energized to reach not only the lost, but the lukewarm Christians and the ones that are confused that say they believe in God, but it's something else that they've been sold to. So it's very important to be equipped as a body. Not come to church, again, to check off the boxes and, and get the latest gossip or do whatever you need to do. This is deeply important. And you hear me? It's kind of weird because it's like we're talking about the building. Right? It's like, yeah, we come to church and gather. Forget that. We are gathering right now together to be equipped, energized, and empowered to go do something. And hopefully the goal today, yes, it's a goal today, for you to hear that you need to be equipped, powered, empowered, and energized morally and intellectually. So let's see what that looks like when we look through the text. And it'll be up on the screen. And this is in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And to give a little bit of context, you may have heard of a man by the name of Saul, who is also known as Paul. Saul, Paul, was heading down a road uh, that was leading to Damascus and knocked off the mule and his life changed forever when he encountered the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus. Paul ends up giving his life to him and writing the majority of the New Testament that we have. And he's writing to all these different churches, as you read. And he's also in prison, when we're reading right now, in Rome for his faith. And he's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, where we get Ephesians. And this church, if you read in the beginning of the text of chapter 1, which we deem them chapters, but in the letter, 
Paul is making it clear, I'm writing to this church that I love. It's almost like an encouragement letter, like a Philippians. He's encouraging them. He's loving them. And he's saying, hey, I hope you grow in wisdom and spiritual knowledge and insight. He's talking about unity of the body. He's talking about changing from the inside out. He's talking about the importance of spiritual growth. And so this is where he leaves, the off, leaves this letter off. And he's, knocking, he's not talking to you, mind you, but the Holy Spirit is revealing what we need to hear through the words he's writing to first century Christians. So this is what he says. He says, therefore, meaning everything that he has said above, which you can go back and read. He said, therefore, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord. He makes that very clear. And he says, and I beg you, that means he urges you to listen to this. Lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. He wants you to lead a life, your life, their lives, worthy of the calling that has been placed on you. He says in verse 2, and this is important. This is the moral side that we need to understand. Always be humble and gentle. Always. It's not an option. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. So hard to do in a, in a time like this where we want everything now. We want everything now, at our time, at our pace. Why isn't things going the way we, we want it to go? Paul is saying be patient and gentle. Oh, this is hard. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. He's talking to a church that he cares for. Imagine if he was talking to you and he was telling you to be patient and kind and gentle and loving and make allowance for each other's faults and failures and sins and shortcomings. He's talking to a body, not a building. And he wants his followers to understand this, I would imagine. He carries on in the letter. He says, and make every effort... Keeping yourselves united, not broken or divided, but united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. The Apostle Paul is driving a clear message in the very beginning of this. He is making his followers understand, what, not his followers, people who listen, understand that unity in the body is deeply important. It is formational to the Christian faith. It is formational to your everyday life because you are impacted by how you treat each other, how you love each other, how you serve each other. I keep saying those three things because they're intertwined with each other. That is equipping the body to do some great things. And so Paul is reminding them of this just in case they lose faith or lose sight or take an off-ramp when they need to stay on. And he reminds them, hey, there's one body, one spirit. You've been called to this glorious hope, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, that we will soon see him face to face. But he, he carries on. He says in verse 5, and there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You see the connection he's making. Unity, unity, unity. One God, Father of all, 
who is over all, in all, living through all. We are connected to God, for God, by God, in love. We need to embody that. But we know this. We know this. Do we live this? Do we breathe this? Do we feel this? Are we actually reading this and applying it to our lives? Or do you just come to church or be united with a body just for community? Yes, community is important, but it has to be more than just hanging out and talking and laughing at a few jokes. It's got to be more than that. How are you building up your brother and your sister? How are you encouraging them, praying for them, reminding them that, hey, I'm walking with you through the trenches, that, hey, I've not forgotten you, that, hey, I'm praying with you? One, make us one. I love that song that we, that we sang, make us one. It's not allow us to be one or help us figure out how to be one. Lord, make us through your spirit be one. Because if the Holy Spirit in you recognizes the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit in me, then there should be oneness. So make allowance for each other's faults is what he's saying. He's not done. He says, however, however, he, God, has given each of us or given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. We've been given gifts through Christ. And he says, this is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world. And the same one who descended into the or someone descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might be fill entire universe with himself. Now he's talking about Psalm 68, but I would, I would also argue that he's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection in connection to this. And here is where Paul begins to land what he is saying upon everything he said just a minute ago we read. And this is where I want us to dig even deeper into this. Verse 11. Now, these are the gifts God gave to the church. Now, before we read on, I want us to, to hear this because in context, in context, Paul is talking about gifts given to the church. Now, you must say, because I did, well, wait a minute, but didn't he already talk about this before? Because as we go on to read, it feels like it's a contradiction, but it's not. Because when you read in Corinthians how Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, about the arm and the leg and the eye and all that stuff, and connection in the body, those are to individuals. Read that in the context that it is. Paul is talking about gifts given to the church. So he says, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build the church, the body of Christ. Their responsibility to the church is to equip the saints to build them up, edify them, meaning help them morally, as I said, help them intellectually knowing who God is, and to do the work of Christ. And you can look what Christ has done by reading the Gospels. 
And you can look at what Christ has done by reading the effects of the apostles and what they wrote. You can see we are called. Many of us are called. Few of us are chosen. And what we do with our lives matters. And how we use our gifts matters, yes. But what he is saying right here when it comes to the church specifically, their responsibility is to equip, equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. And he said this in 13, this will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full complete standard of Christ. When we are actually engaging in his word, when we are in community with each other, when your pastor is equipping you to go do the work, that is what you should be doing then, going back out and doing the very things, yes, you have learned, but that is also measuring up to the scriptures, the standard of Christ. It is important not to be a holy click and meet up, but to actually meet up. Call upon the Spirit, talk, pray, and then go and be like Jesus. That's deeply important. Be immeasurably more. And it's saying it right here, clear as day. Like, I don't have to preach. I can just keep reading the words to you. It is important. Verse 14. Because of all that, then we will no longer become immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. <laughs> I'm going to come to that. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. This is wild that Paul in his day is talking to the church of Ephesus and saying, which in relation to us, honestly, and he's saying, hey, because we are in community, because um, you are being equipped by your pastor or evangelist or whoever is talking to you, because we are meeting together and making allowance for each other's faults and praying for each other and being in communion with each other, we, we won't be tossed and turned and blown all over the place and listen to these new ideologies and buy into these things that sound like truth, but they're false. The wild thing about it is, I said this actually at, a, at another church last week, there's so much confusion about our faith. That does not make any sense to me. We cannot allow culture to lead our children. We cannot allow culture to lead the church. We should be the epicenter of change and influence in our world, in our cities, in our countries, in our state, in our community. We should be the change. Not because you are so self-righteous that light needs to be on you. No, but because we love God. And we want people to know what God is like. And when you exemplify something that is not God, people don't want that. I wouldn't want it either. It took me a while to come to faith. But what I know is because of the love of God through three amazing men in my life, one of them rest in peace, my life was changed from the inside out. And so we cannot be tossed and turned by what culture is selling our children, what culture is selling our college students, what culture is selling you that you probably bought into and believed but not reading the text for yourself. It is important to not be tossed and turned by what anyone is selling you. It's, oh, we got to be built up to go out and do a work. 
And when you finally close your eyes and life is done, when you time out, when it's all finished, I pray, good and faithful servant, I pray that for you, yes, as well as me, but I pray that you gave everything you got, that you were squeezed out and poured everything out to Jesus by loving, serving, and equipping us to go and do the work of Christ. So don't be tossed and turned by what you learn or what you are, are, are intaking in, feeling like that is um, knowledge when it's not truth. I'm telling you, there should not be this much confusion, confusion excuse me, about faith. Look at Jesus. And if you disagree with what he says, that's between you and him. But I believe in the authority of Scripture. Get uncomfortable. What he says is foundational and true. We could talk anything about is it true or is it not. We could talk all that about later. I just want you to understand, do not be tossed and turned by anything you hear. Look at Jesus. Read the text. Not because the Bible says so, because eyewitnesses died believing in something that a lot of people thought was a lie. And their accounts line up. I probably should leave this. But their accounts line up. I lean into that and not what you're being sold or taught, no matter how old or young you are. And it, to me, it, it, he's writing this to his church. How relevant is it to our church? He goes on to finish his verses. He says, instead, verse 15, we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. We speak truth in love. We speak truth in love. And in last verse in 16, he says, he makes the whole body, not the building, but the people that reside in Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other part grow. Did y'all catch that? Let me run that back. As each part does its own special work, the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. I don't know if you ever read that before. That is in there. That's right there. It's right there. Paul, you could tell through this chapter, what we call, he's only talking about unity of the body and the importance of unity. Not being united for the sake of, um, I'm going to use this word because culture's thrown this word away. The word woke is way out of context because I know what it really means. <laughs> Uh, it's it when blacks would use that to say, hey, man, stay woke out there because you never know what would happen to your life. But we have turned it to where culture, I ain't going to put you in it, culture has turned it to where it is some type of, um, <laughs> some type of, some type, I ain't going to be PC, PC, some type of way where it seems progressive or it seems very political or very left whining or just being very loud and pointing to things, even though it's really pointing back to you. So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is this. <laughs> we need to not be woke in culture standard, the way the word is used. We need to truly 
come together with Jesus is on one mind and one accord for us. Make us one so that we can do the work of Christ. Coming to church for coming to church's sake is ridiculous. But coming to church with the point of having God as the center, all of us be focusing on being one so that we can go do the work, that's important. That's key. That's vital. That's vital. Making us one. So here are three things I wanted to, for you to take away with this, with it, because this seems very simple, but it can be very hard for us. And there's three things I want you to understand. One is this, we need to build each other up morally. Yes, I mean that because many pastors that you've probably read have fallen, slept with someone else's wife or husband, embezzled money in the church, you know, did, did, <laughs> um, lying, teaching false doctrine. The list goes on and on. Yes, they got the limelight because of the ones that are noticeable, but what about the people that are in the congregation that are actually having affairs, that are actually doing things that are not godly, that are actually cheating, lying, betraying, self-sabotaging to sabotage someone else? There's so many things that I could name that I don't want to name them because it's like watching the news. It's just depressing. And so we need to build each other up morally so that, I'm going to keep saying so that because I like that, so that we can help each other and we can be a witness to other people. Building each other up morally is important because you stay out of sin that would keep you longer than you expected to be there. So we need, to, we need each other. We need Christ, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but we need each other to be able to withstand the enemy, Satan, to withstand what culture is saying, to be able to answer the hard questions or respond to the hard questions of the babies, and we need it for each other so we can hold each other accountable. But that gets messy. Some people don't want to be held accountable because that gets messy. And you don't want to walk in each other's lives because that gets messy. But I feel like this church does, that you want to be in each other's lives. But let's take it a step deeper. Hey, man, how's, how's your kid? I mean, did, did, how did, that, did that bullying situation resolve itself? Hey, how, how's your marriage, man? Is that, is that still a wreck right now? Hey, hey how's, how's, your, how's your aunt? Is she still in the ICU? How... Let's be with each other through those moments and also in the moments when we're looking at what God is saying to build us up spiritually as well. And remember, spirituality is not all the same. We're talking about what the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is guiding us, directing us, calling us, convicting us. So one, we need to build each other up morally. Number two, use the gifts given from Jesus to help the body of believers. We had just read this a couple of verses ago. I, I don't know if we could put it back up on the screen. Um, where was that at? I'm so sorry. We had just read this a couple of verses ago. Yeah, um, that's, I think it's verse 15. No, it's not verse 15. I think it's verse 14. We will no longer be immature. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of new teaching. We, won't, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us of lies. With lies so clever, they sound like the truth. We need to take our gifts and use them as influence to help each other and the community. You see, I keep saying the same thing over and over because it all ties together. 
And that is important. It's important because Paul thought it was important. He, he felt that from the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God. Yes, use our gifts to build, equip, to do Christ's work. And the last thing is lean into and share the teachings of Jesus, the apostles, and the prophets. Lean into the teachings of Jesus, apostles, and the prophets. Those are transformational of the heart and the mind, the body, and the soul. What Jesus says and how he lived and how he exemplified and modeled that is key. But where did the, where, where did the apostles get that from and where, how, why they gave their lives? Because of the man that they followed and loved and served. And the prophets who came well before, when they were talking to God, they understood and they didn't get to see, as Paul would write later, they didn't get to see and how special it is to be around Jesus. And that's okay, because they still experienced God, and they still prayed and convicted and dropped truth bombs and left and, and, and changed everything around them. And hopefully that generation listened. More often than not, they did not. So building each other up morally Using our gifts that Jesus has given us, as, given us as a body. Leaning into the teaching of the prophets, of the apostles, and Jesus. And understanding, again, in verse 11, I just want to read that one more time too. That these gifts given to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, teachers. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build the church. Why do you come to church? Yes, communion Yes, observing the Lord's Supper. Yes, providing a place to fellowship. Yes, teaching sound doctrine. But I, I want to push that your coming to church should also be, should also be coming to equip you to go and do the work of Christ. You know what the work is. If you don't, go read your Bible. You got four Gospels to look at eyewitness accounts, or at least Mark was through Peter's lens, and Luke was, he spent time, a lot of time with Paul, but he thoroughly investigated, like he said in his, earlier on in his letter, but you got four accounts of a man that claimed to be God, and it was true. It is true. So you're coming to church, again, over and over, I keep saying, is to build each other up and to go and do his work. But when you come to church with an agenda that is the opposite of that, unless it's prayer or something, but when you come to, agenda, come to a conclusion that's the opposite of that, I would question why you are here. Why are you here? That's a great question. Not purpose meaning life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about why do you gather with everyone here you call family? Because I believe when you can have a mind shift like that, every time you show up to church, you may receive more and more from what God is trying to tell you. Instead of you coming in with a preconceived notion or an agenda or something of that nature. When you can have a heart change and a mind change on coming to be equipped to go do the work and be gathered with the body, 
I wonder if your worship and reverence and fear of the Lord, I wonder if that would be influenced when you come in here, when you gather wherever we gather. I wonder of that. So as the band comes up, I'm going to go ahead and read this last verse. I don't know if it's on the screen. It may be. Yes. This is his last verse. You all are amazing. This is his last verse that I'm going to read that Paul writes earlier in a somewhat of a different context, but he's still talking about unity. And he says this. I keep moving around. He says, together, talking to this church again, but we can relate. Together, we are his house. Let me pause. Don't keep reading. He says, together, we, talking to them, but us, right? We are his house. That makes a difference in how you think about where you are revolution. Because no matter where you end up, you're still together. This is still the house of the Lord. Yes, we're in Middletown UMC. No, we're the house of the Lord. And we have many family members who are in this house. He says, together we are his house, built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And look at this. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming, it's a process, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Can you play some deep, soft music right now? Thank you. So, I know, right, really spiritual right now. What I want you to understand as I sit down, I want you to really hear this. That together revolution, your becoming is now and forevermore that you love each other, that you serve each other, that you come and gather wherever as an ecclesia, as a gathering, as assembly to be equipped, energized, and empowered to reach people who are lukewarm, who believe in Jesus and who are sold out, and who have given up on faith or have never tried altogether. Your life is more than just living. Your life has to be built on the teachings of Jesus because you have value and worth to go share that with other people. Hey, the becoming is the beautiful part. Forget the end and the destination. The journey together is beautiful. And if we are the house of the Lord, and I say we because it's more than us. There's millions of followers of Jesus we are the house of the Lord. In revolution, to make it personal, you are the house of the Lord, built on the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus' teachings. So stay connected and actually be about what we say we're about. I hear Rachel say all the time at the end, be the revolution. Are you? going to be the revolution or are you going to be stagnant and staying where you are because faith is it's easy when we just stay where we are it costs more 
when we follow to the very end. And that cost, I would argue, is worth it because God is going to take you places you've never been before. He's going to show you things you've never seen before. You're going to hear things you've never heard before. And you're going to praise him because he's worthy of praise. So come here with a renewed heart, a renewed mind, and a renewed spirit. Gather because you want to do something in this world. Forget your jobs, forget your money, your houses. What about the person on the street? What about your neighbor that's struggling with bills? What about your friend that is going through a hard time in life? I'm not here to inspire you. And, and, no, I'm here to remind you, equipping the saints is edifying for you and for many other people. We are the house. We are the body. We are the church. And the church will never fail. So come to be equipped. Come to be energized. Come to be empowered. And actually believe what Rachel and many of you say. Be the revolution. And I'm going to say this before I sit down. It only takes one conversation, one phone call, one, one take someone out to lunch, one moment of just, can I pray for you? It only takes a moment. Because you know moments are fleeting. So it only takes a moment. So lean in. Be open to the spirit. Let him take the heart, the parts of you that are stone and make them flesh. So your heart can beat again. And that you can do something. Yes, I'm talking to revolution specifically. Not anyone else listening online. You specifically. And I'm going to pray for us. Holy God, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be the epicenter of change. Help us to be willing to move. Equip us, empower us, energize us, convict us, rebuke us, challenge us, hold us, guide us, provide for us as we, Lord, go and do the work of you. Help us not be content or to settle of where we are, but help us to know our why, yes, in life, but our why, why we gather And help us to continue to look at you as we read about you, as we pray to you, as we seek you and find you. So God, hear our prayers from the selfish ones to the innocent ones to the honest ones. Help us focus on you. 
actually help us be the revolution. In the name of the Father who created everything and sustains life. In the name of the Son who chose to die, willing to save us and rise. In the name of the Holy Spirit who has not abandoned us as orphans, but who has equipped us to do the work of the Father. It's in Christ's name we pray.